Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Rook with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And we had a multi-hire day on Monday with the exception of nearby live cattle futures. And Arlen, I want to start off over in the grains. Uh, first day that we have seen everything to the plus side in the grains for quite some time. So how much of it was just technical, you know, the funds covering some of their short positions? Yeah, money flow. The funds really had built massive short or sold positions in the grain and oilseed sector across corn, soybeans, and wheat. Uh, and not just here, but uh, made if also big short positions in Europe as well for the wheat market. That makes them nervous, wondering what kind of headline might come out of the Red Sea or the Black Sea to cause a covering of those short positions. Uh, same thing with end users who uh, may be going hand to mouth and they know that the funds have these big short positions. Well, those headlines happened over the weekend. Uh, it didn't really affect the, the supply of grain and oil seeds, but it did affect the freight of grain and oil seeds. Two grain ships hit in the Red Sea area. Uh, one of them, ironically, was actually headed toward Yemen, uh, where the Houthi rebels are based out of, who have been attacking cargo ships in the Red Sea. This is the first time we've really hit grain ships. In the past, it's been container freight ships or oil ships. So grain ships now being hit raises the risk of freight, lengthens travel times, length, increases costs, increases insurance levels, as well as the cost of shipping, the delays. And so all of it increases the cost, which affects demand and supply from that standpoint, not what's actually being produced. So the biggest impact is funds getting nervous about holding these big short positions until they see how this new dynamic plays out end users the same way. And then once you start to the upside, you have the momentum trading algos really piling on orders as well. And, and now we see how long we can continue this. The farmer still has a lot of corn and soybeans, especially in Brazil, but somewhat here in the United States as well to catch up on sales. The Brazil farmer is at the slowest selling pace for corn and soybeans for the crops they're producing in the last five or six years for this time of year and really looking for rallies to sell. So do you think the rallies are gonna be hard to sustain just because every rally we are gonna meet with that farmer selling? Yeah, I really think so. Uh, until or unless we get a story that turns the farmer bullish. And I know on social media, everyone has a story of, of uh, one of the worst kept secrets you know, in history that's gonna make the markets rally and then they're gonna be the ones to sell that rally. Um, but uh, uh, frankly, the, the fund managers are really afraid to go long. They're afraid of the farmer having such large ownership of corn and soybeans right now. So they're afraid to go long until that, until the farmer has sold. In fact, you know, right now they're largely short in these markets yeah. and they're doing so because these interest rates staying high. Uh, they think that's going to continue to push inflation down. Um, I think that whole philosophy changes if they see that inflation is coming up, regardless of where the rates are, then they start saying we need to protect our portfolios. They flip their positions from being short to long. At least that's what they've done over history. Yeah. And I know you and I have talked about that before, but they actually added their to their short position last week. Do you think they're getting to the point where they're kind of overextended at this point? I, yeah, I think that contributed to the strength that we saw today as they are getting a little bit overextended, particularly with the geopolitical risks that we have. Yeah, no doubt. Now, we also heard word over the weekend uh, China came out of holiday 
Uh, they maybe tried to lower interest rates, mortgage rates. Uh, they're still trying to prop up their economy. Did that contribute at all, at least to maybe even the rally in soybeans today? Yeah, they lowered their um, interest rate on mortgages by 25 basis points. The market was expecting about 15 basis points, so that was more than expected. And so the equity markets in China certainly went up based on that. But their other rates for businesses, they did not lower. Um, and the market was expecting a 10 basis point reduction there. They still have the problems in the housing market. They did have some really good uh, economic news through their eight-day Lunar New Year holiday, uh, which just shows that people there are reluctant to buy property. They're reluctant to make big ticket purchases, but they are using their money for short-term pleasure. They were, did a tremendous amount of travel over the holiday period. They, they went to movies. They went to um, the theaters, the, the tourist attractions and everything. So going for the short-term pleasure, but still don't have the confidence in their economy to make the long term. And that's really what we need to turn things around in China and to help strengthen demand for commodities. You know, we threw a lot of bearish news at the market last week, especially with USDA's projections out of the Ag Outlook Forum. You know, do you think that we have most of that worked into prices already and going forward? How much confidence do you have in any of those numbers? Well, I have very little confidence in the numbers other than the yield number from the standpoint that that is typically the yield that USDA uses in its first official balance sheets for the new marketing year, which will be released in the May WASD report. Everything else virtually will change in, out of what they released. All of those numbers came from economists sitting in their office um, and just saying, "What this is what we think will happen without surveying either producers or end users. Um, basically, we do expect a shift from corn to soybeans, but not to the extent that USDA indicated. Um, that was just an outlandish shift that they had presented there. Um, and then as far as yield, it comes down to, again, how quickly do we shift from El Nino to La Nina? The quicker the shift, the more risk that we see hot, dry conditions in parts of the Midwest this summer. The slower the shift, the more likely we are to see favorable growing conditions. And uh, right now, it's a very slow shift. We we've seen a very slow shift so far. So we're looking for a good moisture this spring to help fill the soil profile. And that'll be key for getting through the summer if we do have some times of dryness. We'll have to continue to monitor to see how that transition goes. Yeah. Any changes in South America? It looks like uh, favorable weather for the most part here has allowed their corn planting and the second crop safrina to really speed up. Yeah, planting of, of the winter corn crop is going pretty much on par five-year average or so. Looks like most of it will be in the ground by the end of February unless something changes here over the next 10 days or so. Um, so that's good. The models are still showing, though, risks of below normal precipitation for March and April for that center west area that's heavily concentrated for uh, winter corn. So we'll have to monitor that. That could become a concern. When you go down to Argentina, they've had a lot of hot, dry weather lately, and now the rains look to be coming back. They haven't had the extreme heat so much like they did earlier, uh, and it looks like the rains are coming coming back later this week and looks like some good moisture coming in with that. Cattle market, more new highs for the move. We did end off of our highs in the nearby live cattle futures, but it's been an impressive run, especially considering last week's lower cash trade and some of these kill cuts we've been hearing about. 
Yeah, I think that's really what limited the gains today. The funds have been coming back into this market, um, but with the deliveries that we saw posted against the February contract, uh, the market really didn't want to go higher and encourage more deliveries, uh, certainly now. So it's a time of consolidation. This week's cash might be difficult to sustain uh, with the slower kills this week. We're looking for the possibility we may drop below 600,000 head for the week. So that may limit our, our potential on the cash market, but it should help support the product market. And if it helps then the packer margins, maybe we'll see stronger kill next week or the week after. And what about uh, the kettle and feed report? Man, those early placement numbers look to be very bullish. Yeah, 88.4% is what the average trade guess is of year ago levels for placements. And that just continues to show that the big placements we had this fall wasn't an increase of supply, but it was pulling forward the supply that was there, which means bigger holes in the supply coming up, and especially as we get later into the year. And that's why we've been drawing a lot of fund money back into the live cattle futures market and the feeder cattle market in particular as well. And Hogs having another update here. Um, is that been this push in the cash and the cutout values or are the funds back in? Yeah, the funds have been coming, kind of coming back in there. We've seen some good firmness in the cash market as well as the product market. We've seen good demand. Now, USDA is going to revise last week's big export sales number, which was just really strong. And the market got all excited about that. They're going to revise it this coming Thursday. So the big question is by how much. So I think we'll probably contain things somewhat until we see those revisions on Thursday. Yeah, and we've yeah. had some China business even in there. So it'll be interesting. All right. Thanks for joining us. That is Arlen Suderman with StoneX and Markets Now.